0: This episode of the Cult and Culture Podcast is presented by Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest's best
1: source of premium new used and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals.
0: Online or in their Seattle and Portland shops, you will find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe.
1: Real people offering real service. Use code COLT CULTURE 10 to get 10% off at www.thunderroadguitars.com. <laughs>
0: DistroKid now also has a motherfucking app. The DistroKid app is available for
1: iOS and Android. You can now get an additional 30% off if you go to distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash Colt. That's distrokid.com forward slash VIP forward slash colt. Or you can get it in the app store. The new gold standard of audio repair, Isotope RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Colton Culture listeners get 10% off by using the code FRET10. F R E T 1 0, that's code FRET10, at isotope.com. I Z O T O P E.com.
0: Planet B. Planet, Welcome to episode five of the Colton Culture podcast by Planet B. This episode features Adam Gennady, author, musician, writer, punk, farmer, uh, weirdo, etc. Um, the thing that I wanted to start off with is. Well, first of all, like, can you just give everybody a, a synopsis of your life, uh, but like how you got to where you are now? Because we met through your publication, Fahrenheit. Yeah. And um, I don't know, maybe just go, yeah. f- go for it. Biographical yeah. information. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. From well, day one. <laughs>
2: yeah, I grew up in San Diego, and my friends and I ran a weekly paper in town called Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit San Diego. And it went for about a year and a half. It was really popular, but... Our publisher was kind of, I don't want to talk shit, but he was kind of a lunatic and like sort of a dick. And we had to like, everybody had to get out because we were just like so stressed out all the time. And and like he would yell at us all. It was like like a traditional like news publisher that like, like Spider-Man's boss, you know, like (laughs) J. Jonah Jameson, right? Is that his name? I don't know. Kind of like that. Like Spider-Man's
0: boss and like Spider-Man hates his boss and... But so it was like pretty ahead of its time I think.
2: Yeah, for, yeah, it, it it worked out. Okay. It was it if it was if we had a different guy publishing us, I mean, it probably
0: would have been, you know, a lot we'd probably be still doing it maybe. I remember people every like everyone that everyone was kind of psyched because it was like the first time that it was like our world or like our community was like it wasn't yeah. like, you know, San Diego Reader and City B, City Beat and I mean both the Reader and San Diego City Beat and the Reader touch upon stuff, but it's very General and this was like it seemed very specific to like more underground culture and like oh yeah a lot social politics and stuff so
2: we hated the reader and City Beat yeah I think they have I think the City Beat's gotten a lot better in in recent years yeah I think the reader's still not as great but I don't know
0: people have infiltrated like the the basis for Bobby Bray's band Innis is, is works there and Chad. Yeah, Chad yeah yeah he's a good guy yeah. yeah yeah so it's cool to have like someone from our team
2: <laughs> yeah I've noticed that yeah they've They've done some cool stuff lately, but it was the both of them were just dog shit. So, back so why did we you started?
0: Up, oh yeah, of course.
2: And that's why we started it because we were like uh, Jesse and I had lived in Portland and we loved the Portland Mercury. And so you'd already lived in Portland and then moved to San Diego. Yeah, I lived there for like six months back and forth. And we came back right before 9-11, and then we're like, let's just stay here, let's come back. Wow. And we wanted to do something that was more like like good weekly papers that were like bringing the community together and actually covering cool stuff that wasn't just like what slam or city beat were covering was just like uh, sprung yeah. monkey and stuff yeah like that. <laughs> yeah yeah of law.
0: <laughs> yeah it's it, it like like a slightly stupid kind of called yeah Um yeah so you so you hated your publisher
2: Oh well, we didn't hate him he was just you know he was like a kind of a troubled guy so, why'd you stop? You just we're had to stop because you were just so stressed it just out. Wasn't yeah, we, had worth to, it. we had to pull the plug because everybody was getting ulcers
0: and wow. uh, weird. Yeah. Well, you And you needed that person, apparently. Because,
2: yeah, because it was like, cost like 10,000 bucks a week, I think, to publish it. Wow. Because salary for everybody that was working there. And then the printing was really expensive. Huh. It was really expensive because we were doing like 40,000 copies. I didn't
0: realize it was that massive or yeah. expensive. Super expensive. Wow, that's crazy.
2: And we didn't have anything. We yeah. didn't have any money. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Um, were you already uh, like an established author at that point?
2: Uh, not really. I mean, i I'd, I'd done a, I'd done like a little bit of writing here and there. I mean, I was doing it all the time, but I wasn't. Nobody knew that I was doing it. Uh-huh.
0: You know. What was your first thing that you uh, published?
2: So um, I had this deal with myself that if anyone was ever interested in doing like a book of fiction by me, I would quit journalism. And just just do art stuff, art writing, you know, like fiction and um, the songs and things like that. And so somebody in two thousand seven like offered to put out a book for me, and then I had to, I quit everything and just did that. I mean, I mean, that was called
0: Him California. Okay, um, so let me backtrack. Do you have any? Do you have like a, any kind of education, writing education, or did you learn this somehow?
2: I had like a few mentors that kind of, like, helped me along the way. There were, cool. like, people that worked for the magazines that I would work for and, uh-huh. like, older people that would kind of push me around and tell me what to do. And
0: As far as writing? Yeah.
2: Huh. But mostly just from I, – I read a lot. Oh, cool.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's great. Um, And then I remember, remember – okay, so you published your first book, and then you started doing music as well?
2: Yeah, I started doing them about the exact same time. Okay. And the I was writing the book <laughs> while my first Talking
0: Songs record came out, but you had moved out of San Diego at this point.
2: Yeah, I think I was living. In, I was living in Virginia while I was working on both of those, and okay. I was there for like six months. I remember you had left San Diego and then Diego, went to Portland.
0: Fahrenheit was done. And, and yeah. you had sent me a CD, and I and I was like, kind of enamored by it because it was it was strange to get the CD that like mentioned, you know, Golden Hill and like the, you know it was right, it right. was cool like. Uh...
2: Yeah, that was probably the first thing that I recorded. Okay, and That's... then it then around that time I was like, if I want to do both of these things. Equal amounts of time, but it's kind of hard to shift between writing fiction and then doing these talking songs. So I was just like, I've got to combine them completely so the stories are all connected, the characters are all connected, and they're like two two sides of the same thing, basically. Okay. And that was the only way I could do it and do them both prolifically. And you're still doing that, right?
0: Yeah. Because Okay, because last night, the piece that you did, is it recorded?
2: The thing that I did with Demetrius? Yeah, yeah. We're going to record it. I mean,
0: but you were speaking about characters from locust house yeah and so it's still like an ongoing oh yeah yeah totally thing
2: and i've kind of planned to always do it until i you know die or get bored uh-huh
0: but when you die or get bored you're going to tell everybody who the people are that the real characters i'll, I'll put out a, a pdf you can download of people's names <laughs> to decode it Yeah, so I,
2: don't, I can't get sued and then i'll get
0: bored and die i i have um had a few discussions with alicia uh, edwards about about um, cave world. Uh. Um, And we're, and she's like, do you think this is so-and-so? And And do you, you know, like trying to like figure it out. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, it's, you know, I just read it and like, and like take it as it is. And yeah, you know, metaphorically it's probably a lot of a bunch of people, you know, whatever.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really fiction. Everybody that writes fiction brings people from their lives into it. So a lot of the characters are composites of like 10 different people. Sure. Totally. Or, or, you know, there's a couple of people on Some the Some of them are totally fictional. I mean, like, beyond... There's nothing... There's no basis in
0: reality in them. Huh. Well, it's it's weird reading it because there's a couple characters that I'll read it and I'm pretty sure you're not talking about someone, but I'm like, oh, I know that exact, like, kind of human being. Like, right, that, right. That, you know, kind of, like, fucked up, druggy punk dude you yeah. know, riding his bike. Like, I, I kind of know oh, that's so and so, but it's I don't think you know the person I'm thinking of, but right. you know, it's it, yeah, so it's interesting. Um that's why I would try to tell Alicia like just take what you want from it and like enjoy it for what it is, you know, but Yeah, I don't want people to have to think but, like decode
2: shit while they're doing it. And that's probably just people that that I know that are doing that cuz then they're like I've got to be somebody that I know. This, sure? this got be so- <laughs> yeah, But like
0: anybody yeah. that doesn't know me is just going to be like, well, this is, you yeah. know, it's a story. Um let's talk about some more of your work that you've done if you if you so okay, you, you published your first book. You did some music. Yeah. Where did you kind of go from there?
2: Well, my first record came out in two thousand five, and then the book came, the book I was working on at the same time. But it just took it took so long to to get it published that it came out in two thousand eight. So by that time, I was doing music like a lot and touring a lot. So I kind of went from not playing music and not touring to doing it like full time. Like I didn't even know how to play guitar yet oh. and i went <laughs> on tour but you had tour. a band though right i had a, I mean, a, I had a backing point. band yeah okay. yeah and i was like t- i went as soon as the record came out i was I had like uk tours and things like that and then it was and then i just i, I did that for the for like probably three years just constant touring and putting out other records and then that book came out and then now it, it's gotten to the point where I, I get, I get and work on a book and it takes me, you know, a few years. And during that time, I kind of like slow down on making music. And then once the book comes out, I, I do more music. Hmm. And, okay. Cause it's, it's gotten to the point where like the books are like, they're, I think they're like, they're maybe getting better. So I'm like putting more hmm. into them. Sure. So it takes me, it takes me longer to do
0: them. Yeah. And also maybe after you're done writing, you can kind of like breathe for a second. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is for me too. Like, I mean, I guess for like putting out music, you would really record the record and then you can wait yeah. to the tour happens or after you tour wait you know yeah you know, so there's like a in-between spot um so you did tours in europe and wh- where else uh um, just, you, you... just the,
2: mostly just the uk, UK okay. and
0: and the u.s, and US huh. and how, how did that go like as far as uk compared to the u.s the I uk mean...
2: tours are really good um it's it the it's the weirdest thing because it all came down to this one bit of press that i got when my first record came out, there was a there was this web magazine that wrote this story that was like really well received, and because of it, like I got like a whole audience just from that that one story that was like really widely read, and I got a record deal out there, and they basically set up all my tours hmm. for a while. And then after that label, I wasn't working with that label anymore. I just you know I had an audience, so I just kept coming back. Wow. And I go like once or twice a year, and I think yeah. I'm going again in March.
0: Oh great. Yeah. And, and and it's kind of like what you did last night, then I, I guess at the yeah. Unit.
2: So sometimes it's just me playing guitar and mm-hmm. doing it, and sometimes it'll be me backed by a band. Cool. D- depends on what kind of thing it is. Sure, sure. So if it's like a festival, like an ATP festival, it'll be like full band. And Have you then, done that? ATP. ATP. Yeah.
0: Which one did you do? Um,
2: the, the the ones where you camp out in the yeah. But who curated it? I that one wasn't curated. That was like they were phasing out going to the um. I can't remember what Camper they call sands. it. Campersands. Yeah, yeah, that it was
0: the last one of that. Okay. So they like
2: basically like they curated them themselves.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I'm always kind of fascinated by those. Like to see like oh you played it and who was the person that cho- or who was the <clears throat> the band or the artist that chose.
2: And there was a lot of great bands. That they, but it was just them like going like we these are people we've we've had at festivals before. So they got cool. like television. Uh, I can't even remember, I remember who that it, but that it was one it was really yeah. good. Oh, that's great. That's yeah. cool. I didn't get to see any of the bands cuz I was like on tour the day before. Oh yeah,
0: of course. And like yeah. got there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And played the show and had to leave the next day. Yeah. Okay, so you are like a, a secret hippie living on a farm. I'm not a secret. <laughs> well, you're kind of like a punker, and then you know. Okay, so how did that? How did your farm life happen? Because I'm, I don't really understand it, right. and I'm f- kind of fascinated by it. And right. it's weird because I feel like it. Um. I, I feel like you're able to do all these things from a different perspective, a much different perspective than like what me or Luke are, are used to. You know. So what? Like, can you talk about how you went from I don't know, like civilian life to farmland life? I guess. Or yeah. You know?
2: Well. This was about seven years ago. Uh, The people that I was living with at the time, um, Jesse, who was the founder of Fahrenheit, and um, her partner at the time, we were all living in Portland, and Portland was kind of like becoming like the Portland you know now. It had its own TV show and all Mm -hmm, that stuff, and it was getting like more expensive and kind of obnoxious. And I love that show, by the way. I've (laughs) I've never even seen. (laughs) I've never
0: seen it. The Danzig episode. is he actually uh, on it? Yeah, he's great. Uh, it's so good. Okay, go on. Uh, and
2: then we, But we kind of like the idea of having land. And so we're like, well, let's just go to where there is land that's cheap. And uh, we went out to Kansas. And I'm the only one that's left from that original group. They've They've gone to other places. And so it's me and my girlfriend, Elizabeth. And we have three acres. And we have a bunch of rescue animals that we've taken in. We grow a lot of crops, a lot of food. We had a massive amount of garden this year. And we just, um, we just do anything that anybody else would do in the city, but we do it out there in kind of social isolation.
0: <laughs> no offense by this, but like, but like, why? I mean, obviously, yeah, like you can, I guess, like, uh, po- politically, you, you know, you avoid certain things or you, you know, you're li- like people live off the grid or whatever, you know, what I mean, yeah. like, I understand like why, but like, but why, you know, I mean, you,
2: well, it's, uh, one of the main reasons is i i really like having a lot of land and we only have three acres which for a real country person is nothing but like when you grow up in the city Uh like you've got those it's just it's great you can just walk forever and there's space you can do whatever you want you can be as loud as you want you can be as weird as you want (laughs) you can start fires burn things blow up things um and just have room to spread out and not have to answer to as many people as you'd have to answer. There's no, like, neighbors banging at your door because you're up all night or anything like that. I mean, you could, yeah, okay. Like, the freedom of to have a lot of space to roam and, and just the peace of of being out in the country. I mean, everybody knows, how, like, how, you know, the tranquility of being in the country. Sure, And it's, that's a big part of it.
0: But so, you, okay, so then I want to know about your, the rescue animals. But then also, I know, like, you were telling me about, like, some of the crazy weather conditions and stuff. I mean, that seems like a lot to take on. Yeah. Know, like with, with the animals specifically. So I don't know. How, how did you become like a, 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 like a farm sanctuary, I guess, or animal sanctuary?
2: Well, I just, I mean, we're not like an official animal sanctuary sure. or like that. We just, we just, you know, took in animals and where do you get them? Or
0: like, how do you take them in? I'm sorry. I don't understand.
2: Right. Um, They all come from different sources. You know, when you live in the country and you have like one animal, some people come by and there will be like, I've got a goat that I don't want anymore. Will you take it off my hands or something like
0: Whoa. that? Or and you're just like, sure, I'm gonna take a goat.
2: Yeah. So the original ones, uh, we had two sheep, and um, Jessie, when she was living there, basically bought them from a slaughterhouse uh-huh. and brought them in, and then slowly, like, started adding more things. And we've had other ones that we've adopted out over the years. Uh, got some dogs that one of them was a hurricane survivor, and it's not, we're not really actively taking on rescues or anything like that. Yeah. You know, we could, but it's a lot of work. Sure. So we just have like Elizabeth and I have this small little group and, you know, try to give them the best life they can. And, yeah. you know, it's nice to have chickens running around yeah. and um, to, to be around animals. Sure. Yeah. And sometimes it's not nice. You know, it's, it's a lot, it can be a lot of work Yeah. or it can be completely chill. It's like, sometimes you're just, fixing fences constantly and you're like dealing with sick animals and sometimes you'll go for months and months where they're just peaceable and everybody likes everybody.
0: You you mean there's like what kind of conflict do you
2: deal with? Uh, Animals that that escape like animal escape artists. Mm -hmm. You know, we have got this dog that can like jump over walls and like he's like a superhero. <laughs> He'll like you'll, you'll see him like jump over buildings and stuff. It's amazing. It's really it's not great. So that or um, the chickens will start little warring factions that you know they'll decide they don't like a certain group of chickens and they'll they'll go to Whoa. war with them and stuff like that. That's crazy. Yeah.
0: I mean that could be probably interesting stuff to kind of observe and reflect on and use like for writing or something as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting how that works. Um. All right. So. What about how did Locust House come into play?
2: I don't remember. Maybe well, we it. talked about we talked about doing books with 3 g and Pioneers yes. Press, yeah. and that's where it started. Okay. Because we were like, "What's let's let's do something that like really brings the two together?" And as you know, and
0: that's what that was. It was like
2: a ba- from the same world as 31G stuff. Sure. Seems like a long time ago, but I guess it was just like a couple of years. It wasn't that. So, l- yeah, anywhere. I didn't.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's that long ago, but it seems like um. All the things that you write about are not from like a farmer's perspective, which is really kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't really feel like a farmer. I see. Yeah, but
0: I mean, even at the at the at the Zine Fest, you were selling like patches and stickers that said "Farmers Against Fashion." That's <laughs> true. It's, <laughs> but I mean, I get the I get the like yeah. sort of like. Not to dumb it down, but, like, the shtick or, like, the, the... Not that it's a gimmick, because you, you farm and you're against fascism, so <laughs> you're legitimate. Right. But, like, because I was, like, we're in San Diego, like, you know, in Balboa Park, and there's, like, people, like, take like interested in farmers against fascists, you know? And it's, like, I'm trying to, like, think, like, how, who is that person taking that? Like, are they a farmer? Or, like, it seems like your perspective is from an... Like, you have, like, there's these two worlds, I guess. Yeah. When I think about you, I think of, like, I don't know, yeah, I kind of think of... It's interesting, uh... Well, I'm definitely not
2: writing about... Farmland. M- or my life out there. Yeah. Why? And I might someday. I just... I've got this... I've got the idea of what I want to write about, and it's kind of this... You know, the storyline's already been set, and it takes place in my hometown, which I know better than, than other places. Yeah. And I kind of try not to write about myself very much, even if I put myself into some of the characters. Yeah. I mean, someday maybe I'll write, like, you know, a farming novel, you know, <laughs> but or like an autobiography or something. Yeah, or something like that. That would be pretty fascinating. And some of my characters have had like country backgrounds a little bit uh-huh. or they've grown up rural and they'll probably that'll probably be more of a thing in in future books just because now I know about that stuff so I can talk about it. Okay. Yeah. That's... But I mean I still can I still feel like the same person that lived here.
0: You know. It's weird when I when I see you on tour because I you have a different like like sort of air to yourself. Like I feel like you've like you've come off of like a come off of a vacation from like another planet <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know like I'm like welcome back to this shitty place you know <laughs> at this at this like hardcore show in like a in a in a, cr- in a crummy city, you know huh. and then you, I'm like, and then I kind of think like he's gonna drive off and go like go to this like very peaceful like sort of like uh a- I don't know, different, to- totally different, like energy, uh-huh. you know. Like, I don't know, it's weird. It's, it's, it's to me in, in knowing like your world. I, I, that's what I think about. It's a yeah. trip.
2: Well, I've been there for seven years. I mean, that I guess that's a lot of time puts a stamp on you and changes you. You know. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm a happier person.
0: Huh. Um, okay, so can we talk a little about Locust House? Yeah. So, for one, I struggled with it you calling it locust house because we never really called it that right but i get why you i I mean it's your book and i understand why you wanted to call it that but i guess i kind of struggled with it because like it wasn't really like um so it was like the duplex and there was a third house in the back the only other locust well i guess jimmy lavelle was in the locust at one point and he did live downstairs and bobby did live in the back house but it wasn't ever like the locust house or yeah um two
1: two others I didn't before we even met. I've always heard of the Locust House. That's what a lot of people. I think call it's
2: probably it to people that, because I mean I didn't know you back then, and I think a lot of people that I knew didn't as well. And it was just like that's that's what
0: people a lot of people would call it. Huh. I'd never yeah. heard the Avocado Club before. Avocado Five Hundred Club. Yeah. And then there was just Golden Hill House, but because for a while like all the Tristezza people lived downstairs and yeah. they were doing more shows than than we were, and it was kind of like. The Tristezza House, <laughs> you know, right, right. Uh, so, um, but it's still like the same structure or whatever. But um, it's an interesting thing because, so you you were like, I'm gonna write this story in Locust House, and I was like, Ugh, it's not, no, it's not, that's not what it was called. <laughs> and then I I got the, the 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 book or the the manuscript, and I read it, and I was like, wow, it's like not really about the the bands or even about the house, you know. And it was like a strange kind of like. I don't know, Uh, maybe you can explain, like, why, but... Yeah, I kind of wanted to be anchored by that, but
2: more about what it felt like for the people that lived in that time. Sure. And sort of, because that's, you know, there's a bunch of different characters in the book, and you get their perspectives, and I wanted to, like, kind of harness, like, what I felt at that time and put it into all these different characters and sort of show how things felt, At at least for me
0: and... Because it was it was weird because uh, I thought it was there's so much culture about San Diego and it, and it was there were only a couple little references to like the bands that played and that one night of the of the show that you know yeah. kind of like s- like sort of like built around or whatever but yeah. like it, 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 for the most part I I remember just like reading it and kind of just like feeling like noticing all these other elements that are not musical and not punk and not yeah. um you know things that are like our world or whatever you know like, yeah. but it was just really san diego like almost like it would be really appropriate to have it in like a cultural studies book or a mm. co- class or something you know like um t- if someone was like trying to learn about a certain kind of culture or something you know and it was weird because you know it dealt with substance abuse and it dealt with um, domestic violence and all these different things you know that like i think are very real and 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 um um, but it, like, it, like, kind of, like, honed in on, like, a really interesting community, uh, I, I guess, uh, the, the community that we were all part of, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, I don't know, it's just, it was weird. I mean, in a good way, but, like, it was weird to, like, like, even, like, how, earlier before we started the podcast, we were talking about JC's market, and, like, thinking about, like, that market, and it's, and it was such a San Diego thing, um, like, those kind of places, and, like, the way that it smelled, and what they sold, and, you know, and it was just interesting because then I think, like, what if someone picks us up because they're like, oh, I like the Locust or like I heard the Blood Brothers are in this you know, book or right. something. And then, and then they're like reading about like horchata and shit, <laughs> you know, and it's like a, a, a different uh, yeah. thing that people. Well, I'm mix. not a
2: music writer. I've done it in the past, but I'm not, I, I don't know if I could have written a book that was just about music. Sure. And I don't know if I'd be interested enough. I'm more like I'm more interested in the people. Whether that the people in the bands or the people that are coming to the yeah. shows or just the guy that sells corn on this by Seven Eleven yeah and and the neighborhood was a big part of it you know I yeah. wanted
0: to write sort of a love letter to what Golden Hill felt like at that time sure it's weird too because it was I mean <clears throat> I mean we're responsible for it I guess like you know we were all like the poor punks and where do we live and that you know we live in the the ghettos and then then. that's the first sign of attraction like oh there's these artists or these weirdos and then like gentrification is like right behind you know Um, it was weird getting pushed out of that community you know I fucking would love to live there again like anytime I go drive through there I'm like god it'd be great to be able to live here uh, again and it still looks about the same but it's glossy yeah Yeah. it was shitty I loved it and it's it's just like everything got smoother and prettier and more expensive yeah it's, it's a trip, though, because I think about this, and it's hard, like, maybe discussing this with someone that's... Uh, well, okay, well, so when I first moved in there, it was, um, th- like, the f- maybe, like, the first week or something. My, my I moved in there with a couple other people, and uh, my roommate Aaron Richards, um, him and his girlfriend... He was an antioch Gero, Him and his girlfriend lived, or, uh, lived there, and um, the first week, I guess, they got jumped on our front lawn, like, in the grass by these cholos, and they were trying to steal her camera from her. And it was, like... That would not ever happen any, anymore, you know. I mean, there's now, probably still yeah. cholos and stuff, but they're not gonna go like jump you on your front line, you know. Right. Um, and it was crazy too because there was the, the there was like the two rehab houses across the street, and occasionally we would see our friends go there, you know. And it was just like a fucking weird thing. And then you know we we got when we got booted out of there when the landlord sold it and the the new person wanted us out, you know. I think they sold the property, which is the three the three um, units or whatever for 600,000 which is insanely cheap for San Diego. You know, yeah. even at that time it was cheap, but for us when we were in our early 20s, you know, $600 was a lot let alone 600,000, you know. But I mean, I'm I'm sure it's worth over a million a million easily oh, now. A, yeah. Um which is crazy to think about like all the shit that went on there like you know, people shooting heroin and people like s- setting shit on fire and like the fights and the cops and like <laughs> Uh, you know all the sketchy shit, like you know waking up and there's like people that have like took a bunch of Nyquil or or uh, you know cough syrup and vomited all over the carpet. You know I mean to ripped the carpet out. You know it's like and now it's like a million dollar home. You know it's 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 weird to see that the
2: ghost of the punk house sort of there. Area. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, i've gone back and i gave the new owner the book you know and it's weird because she remembered my name and i was like it's been a long time and she's like justin you know and, and I, you know i gave her the book and she was psyched and i, I mean she knew that the, when they sold the house um the night of that last show that we had um she she said she drove by and like she saw like probably 400 people outside you know and like new and firecrackers there was nothing she could really do yeah yeah there was i mean we we threw the couch off the roof (laughs) you know like it was bad so i mean but so like when i read it 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 didn't seem about like i thought it was going to be more about like the debauchery that surrounded the house but it was more about like san diego culture yeah um why did you take that angle I, i guess
2: i don't know i felt like It'd be too easy to write about all, like, the crazy shit that happens. You know, anybody <laughs> can do that. But I wanted to make it more like, yeah, the culture of San Diego, which is a weird culture. You know, especially if, for someone who grew up here, this weird, like, fancy beach town and then this then the strange art that comes as a reaction to that, which is what, one reason I always liked that community because I grew up in the, at the beach and I was always kind of dissatisfied with... Like the, the bro life, you know, I didn't, and there was, I just never felt at home. And then when there was like something that was like dark and churning and like crazy and, and brutal and weird, like, and just different, it, it felt like a good reaction. It felt like the, the proper reaction
0: to living in this like conservative beach community. So, so before you like became who you are and like the things that you're into, what, like when you were like, like <laughs> normal, you know, in, in, in the beach community, like what was like the first thing that would like bring you in, you know, does that make sense?
2: Yeah, uh, probably just going to the Che with friends. I didn't even know thing. what it was at the time, and but I had friends that were a little bit cooler than me. Not, I w- None of us were cool at all, but they'd be like, there's this band at the Che, let's go see it. And, and that's
0: the point. No that was, was pretty no much No one was it. cool, so like, go, yeah, that's where yeah. we were all supposed to go. So who was it that you saw? Oh, I don't even remember. It might have been like a Che Fest or something uh-huh. like that. I mean, was there something that you were like, this is ho- my home? You know?
2: Well, the first time I saw the Locust was was a big one. That's in Locust House. You know, okay. one of the characters talks about that. Uh-huh. You know, that character is that's just me autobiographically mm. that's talking about that. So I, that's like I wanted to show like that's how that was, and I don't. I mean, I don't even remember a lot of the shows. I just remember a general feeling of being there and being like, "Whoa, this is this is totally different than anything I've ever seen," and it speaks to me. Huh. And there was like a, quite a few shows. I think mostly it was when. Um, and Ezra was booking. Oh yeah, and he was booking really good stuff. Oh yeah, and it was. I mean, there was so much stuff happening at that point. So. Yeah, and it felt like almost every night that I went there, there was something that was like kind of changed me a little bit. And yeah. from for a variety of different things, it wasn't always like even a San Diego band.
0: Sometimes it was just some weirdos from out of town. Yeah, that was the thing too. I remember like going to the Che at a pretty young age, and I'd I'd like sort of become acquaintances with the band Heroin and. And I remember, like, oh, they're playing at the chain. and we went, and it was like spaghetti all you can eat, and then a, there was like a three-piece jazz band, and then heroin, and I was like, God, that's weird, and that probably would never happen anywhere else, you know, like who would think to put like the spaghetti and the jazz band, <laughs> with the hardcore band, you know, like, and yeah. but it wasn't, it didn't phase anyone, you know, but yeah, so that's crazy, so that that's what reeled you in, and then I mean, you 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 felt like you've found your home I, I suppose but then why would you want to leave it and go you know to well I
2: mean it, it, it was a while before I left it and at that point I was in like my mid 20s and things were changing and a lot of a lot of my friends had all left people were all moving to Portland or Portland. Chicago yeah. or places like that and then when the magazine went down I just like I wanted to restart you know sure. it just didn't feel right being there anymore didn't have didn't have a, a source of income at all couldn't afford my apartment in Golden Hill, yeah, because
0: the gentrification started. Yeah, it
2: was already getting a little expensive at that point. Yeah, and I was on twenty
0: fifth and Broadway. Yeah, in a pretty nice place. Sure, I remember yeah. uh, those little courtyard apartments. Yep, I think photographer Rich Cook lives in that same complex now. Okay, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, um, a bunch of people were living there at that time. It was a great little little thing. Yeah, when it was cheap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what that's what happened with our the whole complex that we lived in. It was yeah. always like it was never like a normal uh tenant in, in in any of those buildings, you know. Yeah and even it even like migrated in, into like other like the, the there's the, the locust house and you know and then there's there's the apartments next door to it. I mean at one point there was like other people that we knew that were like part of our world living in the next complex and then across the street there was a you know it was just it started taking over a golden hill, which I think might have been like sort of like I mean, everybody from, like, Run For Your Fucking Life lived in that area, yeah. too, and stuff. And it was kind of just, like, sort of taking over.
2: Yeah, there um, was a while when it was, like, everybody that I knew lived in that neighborhood. Mi- in, a like, a three-block radius. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was pretty wild. Um, so, I, I guess I'm try- trying to, like, go in, like, this, like, sort of linear perspective. But let's talk about what you're doing now, then. Because what was the last thing you published, Locust House? Uh, yeah. And now you're working on more music.
2: Yeah, so, yeah, I'm recording today and tomorrow. And just probably doing like a e like a an EP.
0: Are you releasing it yourself?
2: I have no idea. There, we don't yeah. even know what it's gonna. I mean, yeah, it's so it's so early in the game. It's a bunch of the stuff is written. We have an idea where we want it to be like really heavy, dark drones, and kind of like a little apocalyptic, and like kind of a feel, kind of feel like 2017, uh-huh. sort of a reaction to like what it, what America's felt like recently. Uh-huh. And so it's not gonna be as like gentle as m- past recordings have uh-huh. been. It's gonna be. It's going to be kind of screechy and a lot of feedback and there was a little dark
0: like last night there was a little bastard noise ish kind of feel happening here and there yeah that's it's kind of going to go in that direction yeah i think wow that's great Uh, i wonder if that'll alienate some of your fans yeah probably (laughs) yeah that's cool yeah it was interesting yesterday too at the zine fest like kind of watching you interact with people that were fans of your writing and i and i uh, sorry, but I would judge them a little bit. You know, like I mean, I can't help it. I'm like looking at them, going like, God, do they really know like some of the sketchy shit that he's like involved in, or like you know, like comes from? You know, like like uh, you know, and I would like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't judge people like that, and I and I hate that I do, but I but I, I just wonder, like, oh, do they do they understand the like validity of like you know, the characters or like the community or whatever, like in like Locust House, but maybe that's what draws them to it. Or maybe there is something that they can relate to because they do feel like, you know, the alienated characters in some of the books that you write and stuff. But I, but I do wonder like what their lives are like, I suppose the, the people that are buying your stuff.
2: I, I, that's, I mean, they can't even guess. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, meet I, I meet a lot of them and, uh, they just, they just come from all walks of life. Yeah. And some of them like certain things and some of them, like some people, will read my books and they they don't understand the music at all. I think that, I mean most people I would say get the books versus like music cuz it's it's kind of a weirder concept. There's sure. like like when I explain it to people generally they're like I don't I don't understand what you're talking about. <laughs> like there there's you don't sing you talk and then there's music. It, but to me it wasn't weird or anything because like I liked a lot of music that didn't have singing it had screaming.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And that just seems like just different kind of vocals. So you're talking about
0: people that like pick up your music.
2: People that read the books and
0: then they've heard about my
2: music and they're just like, I don't even want to go there because that just seems,
0: I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, I don't get the concept. Because it's so avant garde in a in a in a general perspective, I guess. You to know, me, it, it doesn't seem that way, but I think to people they're used to. If you if you like only listen to pop music and you, you or hear... even like indie rock or something. You sure. Like it, you'd yeah. Just be well, like, what the? F- yeah. I mean, is that's this? still a sort of like mainstream ish. Yeah. Know? I mean, it's not something that you could. There's no chorus and a verse and you you know like the, the beat is off or whatever it is you know right. so um, but it, it would be more like an art, artist kind of like thing than than like a musician's thing I suppose
2: yeah and I feel like people that are into art like people that go to galleries and stuff they always get it because they're used to like thinking outside of the, the certain lines that music has to be a certain yeah. thing so they'll be like oh well yeah, I'll I'll give this a chance and and see where it goes.
0: I hate labels and shit, but like people always say like, oh, what do you, you know, what is your job? And I I hate saying musician because I don't know how to read music or anything. And I mean, I guess I am a musician, but I also do things like, you know, like other stuff, you know, and it's all kind of to me related, you know, so I would just, I would just like avoid it. But what would, I would just say, I'm an artist, but that sounds a little douchey to say that too. But, but it's, it is the truest sense because music is art. Like you're saying, like your music is art and your writing is art and spray paint on the wall is art so it's really like you know a general definition or, or label but like what would you say right to... i mean
2: i've i exactly the same way where the those two things that i'm doing are such equal parts and interchangeable to me like i have a hard time saying writer or musician even though i'm doing both of those things mm-hmm. so i do i mean i've i've been interested in art all my whole all my life i used to draw as a kid and stuff like that so i just could I, I do consider myself an artist And it feels fucking weird saying it. Uh And I I hardly ever say it because people are like, oh, so that means you paint, right? No, no, not really. But it's like it's making art. And for a while, you know, I didn't like I stopped even telling people that I was a writer because I didn't feel like one. I've got this these things that, yeah, they're, they're they feel like the same exact thing to me. To other people, maybe not so much. But so
0: if you say writer, what would they think? Like you write like. I mean, you are a writer. I though, am, so, like, yeah. What would, what would they, what would they like, assume that you were... I don't, I don't know what people assume. Yeah.
2: But it just felt weird. It felt weird for me to like say that because then it meant I wasn't the other thing. But I don't know. I feel like sometimes I have to like give things context and stick them together for me to, to, to do them and to understand them. I like to yeah. um, have things be on a certain line and make sense so I can do it. But you can be a writer and a musician and have them separate. Lots of people do that. So your
0: resume would say writer and musician... And we were talking about resumes earlier with the pizza the pizza it, eating contest. yeah, would, yeah.
2: <laughs> i don't yeah i don't i try to
0: just stay away from having to tell people about that yeah to define it it's good too i always like people always ask oh what kind of music do you play and I, i've come to the the easy way of just saying annoying and, I, <laughs> and it always gets a it always gets like a good reaction to me a good reaction like they laugh and they're like oh that's that's funny like and i'm like seriously that's annoying or they think like what the hell just happened and they and then i get to walk away from the conversation i have to like i don't have to like tell them like a url or some shit you know i can just bail and like and that's it so um yeah i wonder wonder if there's like a term for like a writer you know or an author to say like like what do you write and you're just like i don't know what the word would be but they'd be like what the fuck and then they're just stumped and you get to you don't have to like deal with it anymore right because
2: i can't i can't really explain my songs to people because nobody gets it sometimes i'll be like i make like soundtracks for like voiceovers for movies that don't exist or something like that. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty accurate. I've had yeah. that happen before and people were like, Oh, okay. I, I kind of get that. I don't, I don't get that the movies don't exist, but I understand that this is almost like a narration of a movie. But you call it talking songs, right? Yeah. I mean, that's
0: like, that's very accurate. I think. You know? And
2: that's also partially because I fucking hate spoken word Yeah, uh-huh. and I fucking hate it. And I hate the words, the words spoken word. It's just, I always What's think of
0: dog shit. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that like cadence, that like sing-songy cadence, ah na 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 na, uh-huh. makes me want to like put a nail in my head or something.
0: There's some cool shit though, like like from yeah, the there's, B there's, generation. Yeah, there's definitely and, like, cool really, stuff. Really like radical, like sort of political spoken word stuff that I was always really. I mean, I guess if you, I don't know, it's different because if you were like, if you were a Black Panther, you're gonna have a different perspective Yeah, like, yeah, you know. Or, I don't know. Um, um, I was
2: gonna say something, and I lost. A lot of it for me was like a a reaction where I knew that if I told somebody that I do spoken word, they would immediately think of a certain awful version of it. Coffee shop. Yeah. All that type of stuff. And I didn't want anybody to think that way. And it was, a, I mean, maybe like you shouldn't have to think about that type of stuff, but I was like very conscious about not wanting people to think about it in a certain way. And so that's where I came up with talking songs because I wanted it to be its own thing and I didn't want people to think of coffee shop poetry bullshit. To me, like
0: some of the music kind of seems like a, like a, I don't know, like maybe like Moss Icon or something, you know, right. Like, yeah. There was a lot of just, yeah, that's, and was yeah. I, no real structure with the lyrics, you know, yeah or words or whatever. And it was talked, you know? Yeah. But yeah. I mean, what do you, do you, do you think that like, again, like I understand your, your opposition. Cause okay. So your opposition to like spoken word is kind of like, I guess would be like our opposition to like punk music you know like it's a lot of it's shitty now and it's like not what you like you can't say like punk and have it have like the legitimacy that it did in like the early 80s you know and you you know if you're saying like oh i do spoken word it's gonna be different i bet you if you were in the 70s like you know and like you're speaking out against like uh, social injustices of that time and you say i i I do spoken word people are gonna have a totally different idea yeah but here we are in another another era things change yeah yeah but i mean you do seem like very very related to like beatnik culture you know like to me like your your persona and the thing the context that you write about and the things that you do mm-hmm. the, the avant-garde sort of like uh, approach to music and 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 even writing and then even the fact that you're like sort of involved in like strange you know subcultures like zine culture you know and 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 like um I don't know. Like, is is that is that a accurate description or is that offensive? I don't know. No,
2: I mean it's not offensive. Uh, I think I mean I read a lot of that stuff when I was younger, and I feel like I always liked the idea of what it was, but but I didn't like a lot of the stuff. Like what? Like the books and the. the I didn't like a lot of the artists. I like I really liked I really liked the idea of who William Burroughs was, but I didn't really I would never really felt his books that much. Huh. And I I liked a couple of books by Kerouac and I read all of them, but generally they didn't really do much for me. So, but I liked the idea of like what the beat generation seemed like to me seemed like a kind of a, a cool idea. And it was like a reaction to this like stuffy fifties and forties yeah. mentality. And it was probably pretty
0: powerful at the time. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it's different because the world was different and they were, they were rejecting and, and, and like developing different things that, yeah. than we, than we would have to assess. But I don't feel like I'm a part of that or like a descendant of that or
2: anything. There's Uh, also like, I don't know. I don't feel one of the weird things about the talking stuff is there's like, there's not a lot of people that there's people that do it. There's not a lot of it that I like. And I think it'd be kind of cool if there were other people doing it, doing the same thing. So I could feel like there was other people like that I respected doing it, you know? uh So I could feel like there was some kind of movement or something, but I don't, I feel very like isolated in that. So, so I, you know, I I definitely have a, you know friends and bands and stuff like that, and so I, I I listen to their music. I don't really listen to anything anything spoken.
0: It's fascinating. I can't. Even my Icon's a good
2: one though. I didn't even think about that. That's like when I put on my Icon records, yeah, I, I would be like, what the. Hell, and I've thought man. about doing records like that where it's like
0: louder, heavier, but it's all it's not talking. sung and it's, it's not there's there's no lyrical structure. Yeah, it's just a thing. If you know. I mean, I'm I'm assuming he writes it out. Maybe it's free free form. Yeah. I don't know. What do you do? You, can you think of stuff like that musically?
2: I know a few things, but it's not enough to where like, it's not like I've got you know a, a really close friend that's doing that. We're going on tour all the time. I just tour with bands that sing and, you know, like other bands. I don't. There's not like
0: a, there's not a culture surrounding what I'm doing. Uh-huh. Folk, like maybe, but then you kind of teeter again like yeah. with another, another like realm of... I think that's kind of where folk came into play. Like, as the
1: musicians, the songwriters themselves writing the lyrics were probably like writers but wanted to merge into the music mm-hmm. and found a way to sing as opposed to I see you doing...
2: Yeah, I know mean, a lot of people the, do that. I know and... that Richard Hell, <laughs> the reason that he did the Voidoids was because he, he wanted to do poetry but he knew that nobody would read his poetry because nobody really reads poetry or buys poetry books. Mm. So he's like, I'm going to put my writing into the voidoids. And he made this like weird, you know, style of lyrics, kind of surrealist and yeah, like indebted to the French symbolists and things like
0: that. Wow, So that's why he did that. That's from what I've read. Yeah. Uh-huh. Do you ever think about that? What? Like what? really going, I mean, cause Singing? you never have a band. Yeah. I mean, I've, I have,
2: and it's just, I've had a lot of trouble with having a band when it's like my name and then the reviews all just talk about the lyrics. Uh-huh. And then
0: the, the people quit the bands because they're like, well, this is just about you. So what if you did like what Richard Hell did and you're like, I'm going to start this band and call it this thing and, you, and utilize...
2: And I've had that before and it's still like the reviews still talk mm-hmm. about the front person. Since it's like spoken, people t- t- talk less about the music, even if the music's really cool and there's like a lot going oh. on. And it's always been, I've never been able to like Keep
0: something going together like a touring thing. that it sure. would last like a tour. It's interesting. I, I I so what comes to mind is like someone like, like Zach Hill. I wonder how that would work out because he obviously is into weird shit, you know, and like yeah, very creative. Like maybe it wouldn't work because he's like pretty punishing with with drumming or whatever. Um, but it would be like. What would a what would a if if you did something with him like who are they gonna write about at that point you know like you have like these two if like, there was like a personality yeah, yeah. Sure, sure like it's right, not right. like you the author and then like these musicians kind of backing you even yeah. though if like, was still a band it's like you're still like the guy or whatever you yeah know? so it would be like if you had like this sort of all star not all star but like you know like these people that are all kind of established and then yeah. then we are a band and we do this thing you know and
2: yeah that would probably that would probably work. Up. A little bit better the, w- the only time that that's kind of worked for me or having a bands worked for me it wasn't really a, a having a band but a lot of the uk tours all the uk tours that i've done have been with this band youth movies and they would um we did a record together and we would record together and they would back me up for part of my set but like everybody they had a, like a bigger fan base than me so people really knew them so when we were playing it they everybody really considered it a collaboration. It wasn't uh-huh. like, I didn't have like a backing band. Okay. So people knew these guys and they liked their records probably more than mine. So it was, that worked pretty well, but it was, you know, it's a band in the UK that I, I couldn't just like, you know, tour with all the time, but that worked well. And it was always like a very, everybody was, was happy and satisfied with what we were doing. There was no like ego problems or people feeling like they were left out.
0: That's interesting. Yeah.
2: But huh. that's probably, that's probably part of it. They're, you know, I like that kind of like superstar idea
0: that's of having like a bunch of people that every people already know established or whatever. Yeah. Huh? So, so what do you, so you're working on this new album. Yeah. you don't know what you're going to do from there. You're working on new writing.
2: Yeah. Guess? I have, um, I have a really big novel finished and it's like, it I'm kind of like punching above my weight a little bit with it. Um, what do you mean by that? Uh, like I'm trying to do things that I don't know if I'm good enough to do yet. With it, with the novel, it's really ambitious and uh, structurally, it's kind of like a, it's a tough structure that I'm doing. It's not like experimental tough, but it's like I've tried to do a lot. So I wrote it, and I'm kind of I I I stopped looking at it back in maybe February, and I'm kind of giving it some time off, and then I'm gonna go back into it and see if it's I should actually be doing this. <laughs> when when you say
1: so you're gonna go in the studio today? Are you guys just gonna do the music, and you'll write? over that or do you have, so I've
2: I wrote I wrote the lyrics completely out I basically like came up with a around the same size set of lyrics as what we did on our mm. on our track okay like 25 minutes half an hour or something like that I sent it to Demetrius and we basically talked about like what we wanted what we were interested in at the time and what we wanted it to sound like and so he's recorded a bunch of like of tracks already it's basically like what you guys heard at the show last night it's sort of like that cool. and and he's got stuff recorded. And then that's like half of it's almost done. It's the basic tracks. And then I'm going to record my vocals over that. And then we have the other half of the record has like kind of a little bit of a different tone. And it's then- really
0: strange, though, to think about it because we we kind of struggled with it because when yeah. the way you read, if you give someone a, a your your vocals, there's dynamic in it and there's certain elements. And, and so you can't really have like a musical structure applied to it because if you're if you're building, yeah i'm not in t- i'm not in time you're not in time yeah. and then it, there's certain times where you'll drop down and void you know and then it'll come back up a bit and get big again you know yeah. and it's like wow we we lost the vocal there you know and so we were trying to approach it like just completely just sonically um not musical but just like add this swell and then have this like you know jangling chain sound or like whatever like something was, so there was no music it
2: almost becomes more like Foley or something it, like that
1: I had to break away from the way my mind works just to get the concept of doing that and then with him it was it, it, all of like his suggestions and stuff like, didn't you, make you, sense until I stepped back from it or when, uh, to be honest it didn't make sense to me until like we were getting around to the end of it when we are finalizing everything then I'm like oh I fucking get it yeah. I, I see it now, you know, but I struggled with it a lot. And
2: I've never done one like that where it's just like sending somebody the 25 minutes yeah. worth of vocals. Usually like with my things, they're like, they're all about three minutes long. And I write like a little, I write, try to make it a little critchy, little riff. And then I, play, I talk over it. And, sure. But that was the first time I've ever done it like that. It's and funny because a
0: lot of the talking stuff that I would that I would reference, again, is like sort of like protest stuff, you know. Yeah. So y- y- there's aggression to it, and the mm-hmm. whole the whole piece. Let's say it's like a three minute piece. is just someone pissed with aggression, and there's yeah. there's there's a energy in the voice so that you have like all this dynamic and, in, and, in, in, the, in the, you know, in especially
2: the, that, that one piece that we all did together. Yeah. It's just like, it's, it, it goes
0: everywhere. Sure. Yeah.
2: You know, it goes through day and night. Yeah. And, yeah. we um, were trying
0: to find the breaks in it, you know, like yeah. where's the mood yeah. going to change? Like, when does the story kind of like, or like you're pausing, you know, and like, what do you do in the pause? Like, do you play or do you stop and let it be a new thing when the next word. And it's not like in?
2: you can even play like a chord because like the changes mm-hmm. happen so fast. It's yeah. just for, like, free jazz at that point.
1: I think Gabe played the guitar chords on it. I love how, like, it went to the beach a couple of times, and then, like, when the like the little birds, and then I think there's that part where the guitar comes in. Uh-huh. I think that was, those were Gabe's chords. Yeah. I'm almost he sure. Played the guitar, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, it was, like, pretty... Sparse though, you know. Yeah. But another thing that I was thinking too is like, what about like all the early bastard noise stuff, like the Our Earth's Blood mm-hmm. um, material? Again, it's there's there is like dynamic in some of the v- vocals that you know wood would do where it would come down and but it would still have this like creepy vibe, but it also it always like kind of like crescendoed, you know, so you knew where it was going. And then again, too, like I think whoever was playing on those Our Earth's Blood um, records um, were probably with you know like in the same studio Yeah and that's like, that's the challenge yeah. that we had
2: where we could have I could have we could have you guys guys could have written the music first and then I could have come in and it'd have been easier. Totally. Yeah. It'd been a totally different thing. Shit, maybe we gotta
0: do that then. Yeah. We can do that. We'll do that next time. <laughs>
2: okay. And I think it's we came up with something that's like it's very interesting and it's it sounds nothing like any of my other tracks. Yeah. And the people that I that my friends that or my audience that doesn't like the more traditional things really liked that one because they were like this is like completely outside of
0: guitar chords yeah. and like I mean I think yeah. our point was to like utilize what you're saying and and put it in put the, the the listener into that like you know like um, um like like we were referencing like um you know, like NPR like shows, like a podcast. Like, yeah. right? You yeah. were talking about that. podcast, yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, or or like um, you know, This American Life or something, where where you listen to it and you're like, oh my gosh, like you know, they're doing dishes and you can hear the dishes, or yeah. you know, whatever, or something simple like that, or the dogs barking. So yeah, so we had like anything.
2: traffic noise, yeah. Yeah. In, the, yeah. in the in the beginning, yeah. and the beach, yeah, the beach yeah. sounds, yeah.
0: But then there was other elements like that you would you know maybe reference like basser noise stuff like piercing like kind of like glitchy you know which makes you uneasy like when you w- and it would go with the with the dialogue you yeah know? and you're just like oh. and this thing that we're gonna be recording
2: in the next couple days is gonna be more like that yeah it's gonna be a little sharper and harsher and I'm really excited about that cool The more aggressive because it's you know it's been it's been a pretty crazy year
0: <laughs> it, it, it definitely has yeah
2: this is like the the Trump era record statement about the dog shit of the last year
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's good uh so there you have it that was the um adam gennady uh podcast with planet b so um be sure to check out the planet b collaboration adam gennady life is the meat grinder that sucks in all things it's available from 31g.com and also check out Adam's books, uh, which are all available at pioneerspress.com.
1: Planet B.